Hey, what is going on? This is the Connect Podcast, and I am sitting here with Senior Pastor Matt Manning. Yes, after the conversation to we my just right. Had. That's right. Uh, and also with us today we have Rodney Perry, uh, and we are really excited to have Rodney here. Rodney, uh, you are pastoring at Central Central Baptist Church, Denver, yes. Colorado. Yes, right down. You're in downtown Denver. Downtown. downtown. Denver. That's right. You can't get any more downtown than We're Central. In the That's of it, right. Yes. That's right. Because it used to be. Is that the one that used to be in Four Points area? Five, it's still Five, five Points area. <laughs> it used to be Four Points, and then they added one. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was, I was dating myself there. Uh, no, Five Points area. Yeah, because uh, that's where was it, it was before COVID that, that the ABCRM region gathering was yes, there, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The year before COVID. Yes. 2019. That's right. Yeah, the last live hosting was that. Was that central? That's Absolutely, right. very cool. Well, uh, and you, we were talking before. You've been pastoring there for five and a half years. Five and a half years. This past June uh, marked that time for me. Very cool. And 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 you're loving it. Loving it. Yeah. Um, however, there is transition. Yes. We, we're loving it. <laughs> yes. Always. And I mean, the last year has been insane for everybody. So. Right. Um, but you guys are you're powering through. You said I loved what you said. You said God is faithful. God is faithful. Yes. Yes. That's very good. Yes. Well, we're excited to have you today. We're going to be talking a little bit. Uh, we actually had Rodney, and uh, we had a we have a couple of other guys w- with us last time. No, it was just Rodney. It was yeah. right after the George Floyd shooting. That's right. Uh, we were just starting the podcast, and we thought, man, we should this should be something we talk about. Yes. And uh, we invited Rodney about a little over a year ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, to come join us, so we thought it would be cool to do a. Uh, recap yes, or a, a sequel, revisit a, a sequel. sequel there you go yeah. yeah and so we rodney's come back we're gonna we're gonna address a little bit more uh and, and dive into what does it look like practically for us to move forward as a culture uh when it comes to racism and, and racism and in, in, in our culture and and especially within within the christian community uh but before we dive into all of that i know that you guys have known each other for quite a while as well uh, maybe you guys could give us just a, a little bit of history and i would love to hear one of your favorite memories of one of each other, if you have one. Yeah. Go ahead, well, Matt. Who's first? Yeah. So rock Rodney, paper when scissors. Did, when did you start at the region? Uh, this is the second time around. So. Yeah, but I mean the first the time. The first time was after I left Greater St. John, okay. uh, probably uh, a couple of years into that. So that might have been 2014, 2015. Okay. Yeah. So that's when Rodney and I met each other yeah. because I was serving on the board. He was uh, part of region staff and. We just became friends out of that right. uh, experience, and I was always, uh, uh, um, what would be the word, uh, maybe uh, confused, <laughs> flummoxed, uh, because you went to ILIF Seminary, right? Right. And um, ILIFT is a pretty uh, more progressive seminary in terms of liberal theology and whatnot, and what I know of Rodney is, is more on the conservative side, right. mm-hmm. and so I asked him one day, like, hey, this doesn't match in my mind. Like, <laughs> like I need you to help me uh, match this. And uh, well, why did you go to Iowa? It was certainly to stretch my my theology. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was not. It was intentional. Let mm-hmm. me say that. Uh, I knew that uh, it was a, a very progressive uh, theology uh, mm-hmm. uh, setting, but I wanted to thre- stre- uh, stretch myself. I wanted to be around the table with people that thought different than what mm-hmm. I I was. So you are not off kill when you yeah. when yeah. you had that that thought so. yeah and when he answered that way i was like oh man this is going to be a guy that i love hanging out with <laughs> yeah. and so but that's not my favorite memory of rodney can my i just ask a quick question yeah did anything change 
No. In, no? <laughs> you just got more grounded in yeah, what you I, believe? My confirmations yeah, were made. That's good. <laughs> that's go. good. Go. Yeah. Okay, your favorite memory. Yeah, so my favorite memory of Rodney is not funny. It's actually awesome. So when COVID happened last March, uh, the first person in the ministry world to call me to see if I was doing okay was Rodney. Mm -hmm. uh, he picked up the phone maybe two days it was probably that Monday after yeah. we had closed mm -hmm. and he called on that Monday and I picked up the phone and I said, Hey man, what are you doing? And he's like, man, I was just calling to check on you to see how you're doing. And it was just such a, uh, important moment. Like it was just mm -hmm. this, like, man, this is a guy who really, who really cares. Mm -hmm. And then the, the great irony, I guess of that is, um, after that Eugene called and then Shannon Warner, mm -hmm. um, called, and uh they had a meeting beforehand they, and yeah they, and so they scheduled it, was the, it out it was my um it was my black pastor friends who called to reach yeah. out to mm. to see how i was doing yeah. and um none of my white pastor friends called me i don't know what that <laughs> says <laughs> but anyways it, i called uh, you but it wasn't yeah, to it wasn't encourage you that's right <laughs> but no anyways um yeah no rodney called he was the first one to call on that monday yeah. when the world seemed like it was falling apart and I was 65 days into a senior pastor ministry and yeah. just shut down the church. Yeah. And, uh, Rodney had the wherewithal to, to give me a call and just to see how I was doing. That's good. Yeah. Love it. Well, uh, my wife, Sheila, uh, just fell in love with Matt. So mm -hmm. she is really the driving force. So it may have been her who nudged me to check on Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <not> sure. <laughs> uh, no, but we, uh, we fell in love with Matt, uh, when we first met him, just, mm -hmm. um, I think uh, I really got to know him when we were at a um, uh, a summit or uh, of the uh, USA American okay. Baptist USA, and we were having ice cream. So Matt and I took mm -hmm. a few moments uh, to just share and talk while we were were having ice cream. The whole the whole region uh, uh, delegation yeah met at an ice cream stand and yep. we just stood around like and talked and got yeah. to know each other. So was that yeah. in Denver? It was Portland, wasn't it? I think mm -hmm. it was Portland. Yeah, it was either Portland, we Portland or Kansas City. I'm okay, sure. must yeah, have been Portland. Yeah, one of those two. I remember yeah. Sheila. Well, in Portland, I remember we got on the train together because right. we were on the same flight on the way back. Right. And uh, all the way, Sheila and I talked on the train, right. and then on the <laughs> way to the gate, yeah. and then we talked to the gate, and then yeah. they finally put us in different chairs. Right. Yeah, and we so couldn't talk anymore. We couldn't talk anymore. Yeah, I'm still shouting over the. Yeah, Rodney wouldn't give up his aisle seat for yeah. me to sit next I to see. his wife. I get you. Right. The conversation. Right. <laughs> like that was the right decision. <laughs> Well, awesome. Uh, I know, uh, I mean, there's so many things going on all the time in the world around us, and, and uh, we're, uh, we're all in pastoral ministry trying to, to keep up with what's going on around us and also to, to lead well, right? Like, that's, that's part of our, our calling is right. to help lead, uh, lead our people well. And so um, as we, we've looked at the last year, and especially in, in retrospect to the last time that we spoke with you, are there things that you see that are going on, whether that's coming from the church or whether that's coming from uh, other sources in, in our culture that you see, uh, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Where do you see us, uh, the trajectory of us going when it comes to racism, uh, at least in, in America and in our culture, our, our specific culture? Well, I think uh, what we can say is that there is a uh, greater awareness. Uh, people are trying to respond. Um, uh, we are seeing around the country uh, in particular that uh, there is a great concern, there is great effort that's being put forth to try to address uh, this 400-year-old problem in America. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the other side of that is that there's frustration that is not changing as fast as we all would like or mm -hmm. hope. 
Uh, and so that's a recurring theme as I talk to people who are engaged in this work, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, it's necessary work, uh, but it's tedious and uh, it's not moving as fast as we'd, we'd like. Can Do you have a specific example of, so someone who, who is, who's doing that, what kinds of things are they doing in order to, uh, to help our culture pivot in that direction? I think, uh, again, just just bringing awareness um, um, to people uh, in general. And so uh, when they feel like it, it's not moving fast enough, there's still a majority of people that are just kind of going about life and, and you don't feel like that they're as aware? Th- they're not yeah. as aware. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Uh, and then there is the issue of uh, dealing with systemic racism, mm-hmm. uh, the issues that are uh, that are born out of that. Sure. Uh, if... Uh, one instance is redlining of housing, uh, where there is still problems with blacks uh, acquiring capital mm-hmm. uh, to be able to purchase homes, uh, to get their credits yeah. uh, to the point where they can uh, be homeowners. Uh, there are, uh, they're just can a, a you do me a favor? Just for people who may be listening to this and they hear systemic racism. What is that actual definition? That is a system of racism. That means that it is rooted, it's grounded, and there are practices that uh, perpetuate that. Got it. So like legal practices that are, yes. that are making that happen. I actually heard an interesting story of a lady who was trying to get her house appraised, and she was a black lady, and had uh, the same company kept say, sending an appraiser to her house and was appraising really, really low. And then they staged... Uh, uh, a white family there, and it actually appraised for way higher, mm. which I think is an example. I, I know that there's people right. out there that feel like, oh, it doesn't actually exist. Um, it, it's a made-up thing. Um, but then every once in a while, you'll you'll hear these these stories come out of the woodworks that you go, oh, uh, it may not be true for for you. Like you you may not see it in in your realm of influence, but it doesn't mean right. that there aren't instances out there that it's happening. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a great example yeah. of, uh, of systemic racism. Yeah. So, sorry, I, I didn't no. mean to derail your yeah. thoughts there. But, but those practices are in place. So sure. s- yeah. systemically, that, uh, that creates uh, a problem. Uh, when we're talking about equitable um, positioning, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's real. Uh, and until we can acknowledge that, mm-hmm. we can't address it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rodney, what did... Um, the significance of, of what happened in this last month of Juneteenth, what did that significance personally to you and, and the significance of that to the black community? And maybe if you would just explain a little bit of what that is, um, because I don't know that everybody maybe understands what Juneteenth is. Yeah, Juneteenth deals with uh, a group of slaves in Texas that uh, did not get the notice that slavery had ended until two years after uh, that emancipation. Um, and so it's a celebration of them getting that notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, personally, I don't think that's a point of celebration for me. Mm-hmm. I, I would not like to be in ignorance of my liberality mm-hmm. for two years. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's we're, we're sort of caught between. So you will just have that debate on both sides within mm-hmm. the black community. Is this something we should be celebrating that we were left in ignorance for two years, mm-hmm. or is this um, is this something that we do need to acknowledge? Mm-hmm. Well, there needs to be an acknowledgement, uh, but we've gone to uh, now it's a national holiday mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Yeah. So we we want to support it, but mm-hmm. there's still some apprehensions about. Yeah. I would what say the good means. about it though is that, uh, I mean, 
one good thing about it is that it is helping to bring awareness. Yes. Right. If, if that is part of the goal is to help bring awareness yes. to what's going on. I know for me, I didn't know what it was. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden it's showing up on the calendar. Uh, and so uh, it it drew me to say, OK, what is this? Like, mm-hmm. uh, is this something that uh, if we're going to I mean, we Fourth of July just happened. So we put stuff up on Instagram like, hey, right. you know, celebrate the fourth. And so before. Uh, I felt comfortable putting something out there for Juneteenth. I'm like, I got to know what it is. And so for us, that's what we used it as was, hey, this is an opportunity for us to share. This is what it is and this is what is being celebrated. Um, And and I think that even though there's that two-year gap, um, there's still uh, a good of being able to celebrate, hey, there was a point in history when when we as a country said, this is wrong and we're going to start pivoting away from that. Exactly. And I, uh, you know, the the largest Juneteenth celebration is in Denver, and it's right there in really? the Five Points area. Yeah, uh, and uh, right my in your backyard there. So yeah, uh, that weekend, uh, the entire block of Welton Street across the alley from me was blocked off. Of course, our parking lot was just overran, overtaken. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, we didn't have any restrictions in terms mm-hmm. of the parking. Uh, Are there specific things that happen uh, to celebrate? Juneteenth? There, there are. Uh, so you've got a lot of cultural booths that are there. Uh, you've got a lot of voter registration drives that are happening mm-hmm. uh, to address uh, the voting issue. That is there, uh, sorry, this is, I'm asking questions. Sure. Okay. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm ready to answer. Okay, good. Uh, are there still a lot of people in the black community that are not registered to vote? Well, I wouldn't say a lot, Yeah. but there, there is a significant number. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry, continue. No, no go. So my, uh, that's where my brain does. I, you, you trigger me, and and I go, oh, that's a question I've had in the past. I would like to ask that. But that's while you're that's here. an ongoing, uh, ongoing issue, and not only about registering, but mm-hmm. also being educated about the voting process sure. and uh, not having your vote suppressed and mm-hmm. things of that nature. And mm-hmm. we're seeing that happen, yeah, uh, across the country as well. Mm-hmm. Rodney, one of the other significant events that's happened in the last. I guess month or two is um, kind of the groundswell of uh, remembrance of the Tulsa massacre right. that happened in that space. And, uh, you know, I think that um, maybe I'm just ignorant, but for most of my life, I don't know. I feel that like I'm going to start every phrase with that. With your ignorance? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I might just be ignorant, well, but. I don't ever remember the Tulsa massacre, like, in my in my worldview as part of right. like history that I learned or anything to that effect. And then uh, you sent out something to uh, a few people about it. Um, I heard about it, you know, uh, through some podcasts of it um, and, uh, and just the significance of it kind of moving into this new space. And I just thought maybe for those who aren't aware on the podcast, the Tulsa massacre, it's right. been in the news, um, what happened, what is the significance of it today um, in terms of it being remembered and, and how is it propelling some of this um, racial conversation forward? A, a perfect example of, um, of racism in America at one of the highest degrees. Uh, Tulsa was uh, a, uh, the Tulsa community was a black community business district that blacks had built. Uh, they had everything that a community would need uh, to advance. Uh, themselves economically and to sustain themselves as a community. Um, and because of that progression 
at such an early, I think, think it was 1921. So we ju- we're just celebrating the 100th anniversary. Mm-hmm. That's why there's such a groundswell of it. Yeah. Um, because of that uh, success, um, they, um, um, they really just wiped that community out. Um, there was an incident, um, re- allegedly, uh, where a black was shining shoes. He had to go to another building to use the restroom. And there was a white lady that was an elevator operator. And some kind of way, the elevator jerked, and he bumped her when she cr- ran out and cried that um, uh, he had uh, assaulted her, mm-hmm. uh, which was not true. And uh, so the the white men of Tulsa, uh, policemen, came to arrest him. And the blacks stood up against that. And mm-hmm. that sparked the whole sure massacre gotcha yeah. so it and they was, just demolished the community like they just demolished it as i I've mean been reading you're talking the about history you're it's talking about amazing. airplane bomb drops oh wow uh, just wiped it out totally mm. uh it was uh just hor- just horrific uh, so then the conspiracy theory behind that would be that it was all planned well I'm just, probably i'm just throwing, probably I'm just throwing that planned, out <laughs> but yeah. even at that degree sure even at that degree, it did not require that kind of reaction. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And what's amazing is as We're good at that as humans sometimes, yeah, aren't we? Yes. Well, looking back on the history of Tulsa in that in nineteen twenty one when it happened, like there's not a historian that disagrees with the fact that right. the whole incident was overblown that yeah. led to really the the razoring of a com- yeah. entire community. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just demolished the community in the space. And so you know, in terms of, you know, as this groundswell is coming up in terms of its memorial, what is some of the significance of that to the black community? And, and how can we look back on the past uh, to help us propel forward in some of this uh, conversation that we're having even today? Good question. Well, what happens uh, with that is that not only is a community demolished, lives are lost unnecessarily, but the economic impact that has registered for 100 years uh, has never been recaptured, regained. Uh, you talked about not knowing it, but the story itself had been suppressed mm-hmm. in American history. So not only were you unaware, but uh, a lot of blacks were unaware. Mm-hmm. I did not learn of that story till I got to Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was because I had members of my congregation who were from the Tulsa area yeah. uh, who brought that up, and I'd never heard about it. Um, so uh, the suppression of the story uh, really created a void in regards to uh, what that impact had. Mm-hmm. Uh, the economic impact, I think it was registered that there was about two, they were worth about $2 million in 1921. Yeah, it was the richest, not only just the richest black community in America, it was one of the richest communities, communities in America. In America mm-hmm. That's right. And so all of that economic uh, growth was lost as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think about the fact when we talk about how that's impacted, I think uh, Rockefeller um, invested like three or four million into the MMBB board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Today it's, it's a billion dollar corporation. Right. <laughs> so if, you know, to take that kind of economic then mm-hmm. and, and allow it to be built uh, would have meant much uh, to the black community. Not only that, but for those that were in Tulsa, but to send a signal that this can happen yeah. in not only black community, but any community who do has that desire. Mm-hmm. It could have become a model to help. It's kind of a mindset, right? Yes. Uh, it, it's overcoming the mindset of, uh, 
what I'm able or allowed to do. Right. Um, and that, I mean, that, that happens in different places as well. Um, but it, it certainly, uh, rings true here as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think that there are, when, when I think about just the whole landscape of, of, of our country right now and where we're at, um, we always hear the extremists on both sides, right? You, you know, uh, from the, the far left or the far right. And, and those are the really, the loudest voices always are the ones that get heard exactly. and, and they're the ones that are super loud, um, in, in their spaces. And so, uh, but at the same time with just your average person, uh, in our country, uh, we tend to, uh, navigate to the narrative that fills our own, uh, thought process from the get-go, right. right? So, uh, you, you sit here and talk about, uh, you know, man, I can't even say the word, the racism, the, man, it escaped me. It starts with an S. Systemic. Systemic. There you go. <laughs> man, alive. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, so, systemic Glad racism. Rodney was here to help That's you. That's right. I was yeah. just drawing blanks. Oh my gosh. Uh, so anyway, so I, 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 I mean, I have friends that say that doesn't exist, right? Um, and they're gonna always find a narrative that, uh, that will fulfill that thought. Right. right and and vice versa. So how how do, what is what do we do? How do we help bring an awareness when people even if you bring hey, here's a real story of somebody I know that this happened and they say, "No, that's not true." Mm-hmm. How do we wh- what is the process of helping to uh help people see what's going on and, and be able to bring move towards reconciliation not with extremists, but just with with us that are more uh trying to figure things out in the middle. Well, I th- I think uh, I think you bring up two thoughts for me. Yeah. One is that people are all going always going to react based on their experiences. Mm-hmm. So um, I may seem extreme, but my experience demands that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because this is a reality for me. Mm-hmm. I may not be as uh, engaged with this because I've not had that experience. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that it does not exist. Yeah. How do we get to the middle? Uh, because racism does exist. Mm-hmm. It does uh, impact and affect every single person uh, on the earth. It's not something new. Mm-hmm. It's been happening since creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's this racial issue. Uh, we, I mean, right now we've got the Israelis against the Palestinians yeah. uh, that's been ongoing. Uh, I'm always of the mindset that we won't experience full peace until the Prince of Peace himself, Christ, mm-hmm. returns. Uh, but how do we live in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, uh, there, there are always triggers, right? Mm-hmm. So once we think we get over one hill, uh, there's always something else that triggers mm-hmm. uh, my passion mm-hmm. about this subject, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the killing of another black man unnecessarily, mm-hmm. uh, or when you see uh, a white man who may have perpetrated the same crime but is handled differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we respond to, uh, what was it, um, January 6th oh, right. <laughs> uh, uprising at our, mm-hmm. at our capital? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we just had a, malicious group, a militia group uh, stopped in Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, you know, all of these things trigger uh, the realities for those of us who are experiencing racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, those who are not exposed uh, feel that uh, this is not an issue or problem that I need to, I need to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so the middle ground, uh, awareness. Um, I think Matt and I probably have a good example. We don't talk every day. We don't see every, we may be two months, but uh, I think about Matt all the time. I offer prayer for Matt. Uh, we, uh, Matt does the same for me. We see each other uh, in our convention and our regional work. And uh, it's like we haven't missed a beat, mm -hmm. but we have to intentionally develop relationships. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has to be done with uh, the idea that I'm just as human as you are. I'm just as valuable as you are. Uh, because really, what does racism suggest? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that there's a devalue of one race over, uh, of, of another race. Yeah. And so we, we, need to, we need to really own that and, uh, and address it. Yeah, I, I have a, a friend that's a missionary in Rwanda, and he said something that was really interesting to me. He's done all kinds of classes on uh, you know, cross-cultural studies um, and uh, he's, they're back on furlough for a year. They just went back um, uh, this last month. Uh, but he, he said his experience of being back in America was that everybody is in this place of culture shock. Right. Um, and uh, I learned that there, I mean, there's stages of culture shock. And I think it's like stage three of four is you don't like the culture. Um, and so if you're in this place of culture shock, it's not even just uh, uh, necessarily, it, it, I think it, it can come out as racism when really you're just you're struggling with uh, different cultures. But right. that's what America is, right? right? America is full of all kinds of different cultures and right. and celebrating different cultures and, and, and those things. And so um, I think that there's there's a place for that, too, of, of learning. How can I understand a different culture and, and not feeling like because this is the way that I grew up, uh, it's actually better than the way that you grew up. And really, it's right. not right and wrong. It's just different and how can we uh love and appreciate the different cultures that that, right. that we find ourselves in and what we what we are discovering now is that uh, there's an uptick in terms of anti uh racism against asian americans mm -hmm. yeah. uh i mean it's just unfathomable mm -hmm. that uh, we are targeting people just because they are of a different culture mm -hmm. i mean literally uh attacking them in open daylight mm -hmm. yeah. uh, for no reason mm -hmm. um, and so what we've decided in American uh, Baptist is that we're talking about race relations mm -hmm. and so we've termed that as our task force because it's more than just black white but it's all mm -hmm. cultures that are experiencing mm -hmm. some level of racism mm -hmm. yeah. I when think what Rodney was saying earlier is so important in terms of the relationship that he and I share mm -hmm. because I think that you know the biggest part when it comes to racism that Rodney is speaking of is, um, do we actually believe that all people are created in the image of God or not? Right. Mm -hmm. As biblical Christians, right. uh, that is foundational to our very existence, that we are created in the image of God. And to demean anyone, whether that be someone based on you know gender mm -hmm. or their race mm -hmm. or the color of their skin or the culture which they come from, is to devalue mm -hmm. the right. image of God in that very in right. that very space. And so I think that you know when there's relationship across um, racial lines, across cultural lines, then we see the fullness and the beauty of the image of God uh, more clearly where we can have an understanding and have a conversation um, because it's not me fighting against whatever latest news is coming at me in terms of my, you know, is this true or not? Mm -hmm. It's me having a conversation with Rodney and going, man, tell me about your experience. Yeah. And I think that that's why I brought up the Tulsa massacre mm -hmm. um, because that's a point in history 
that's undebatable where racism happened, even at a, a systemic level, um, where a whole community is raised. Systemic. Yes. What did I say? That's right. I, oh, I was yeah. just. Oh, you were just. It helps yeah. me when I keep <laughs> saying the word <laughs> over again, so I don't lose it again. Um, where a whole community was just put out yeah. because of that, and we can look at that and say, okay, so maybe we're not there today. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a point in our history that shows that racism really does exist. And then what have what have been the fruits, mm-hmm. consequences of that action that have played out into the future, um, that. Uh, Rodney's dealing with today, yeah. right, as a black man in America. Mm-hmm. And and from that space, then we can learn from each other and really start to interact in a way that uh, hopefully brings about change, which is why I'm excited for what Rodney's doing uh, right. with his work with the region, mm-hmm. um, because I think it's needed in our churches. And I think the churches have to be the driver. And that's my biggest frustration in this mm-hmm. whole conversation right. over the last year is that the civil rights movement of the 1960s was driven by black pastors yes. who were grounded in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And this movement that's happening right now is void of the church, of the church yeah. and the theology mm-hmm. of the church. And, and it's just this swinging haymaker yeah. after haymaker. Yeah. And, um, and there's no grounding to that. And so what Rodney's doing with the region, I think is so valuable and important because if this is going to, to resolve, if we're going to find some peace in this life, it's because mm-hmm. the church is driving it through yeah. Jesus, not because, you know, and sinful I don't know humans if are. And I've had that conversation, but that is my sentiments exactly. Yeah. The church has to be the driving force. Mm-hmm. And we have to set the models for the rest of our community to mm-hmm. follow. Uh, and so American Baptist is doing a good job, and particularly here in our region, mm-hmm. uh, by bringing me on staff to uh, to work through this. Uh, we've got uh, a task force that we've developed, and we are, uh, we're on the campaign now just to make the constituents of our region more aware mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, and, and after making them aware, uh, start to put some practical uh, things in place mm-hmm. to start to exercise building relationships I'm just a firm believer. If you get to know me, you're going to treat me mm-hmm. differently. Oh, absolutely. But if you don't have that that experience or that opportunity to know me, mm-hmm. then your attitude and your disposition towards me will never change. Yeah. So uh, relationship building will be the next step after we finish um, making people aware. aware. Yeah. And then we're going to be moving into actionary mm-hmm. uh, uh, steps to say, here is what we can do intentionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, this region needs to see a Matt Manning and Rodney Perry walking together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Eugene Downing and um, um, Ann yeah. uh, at um, Calvary, Calvary mm-hmm. have established a beautiful relationship as pastors, uh, a white and black pastor, male and female, mm-hmm. uh, working together in that in that capacity. So they're yeah. working on this issue, um, you know, head on. So. Yeah. Uh, those kinds of things have to be seen uh, by the constituents of our region, and yeah. I think we can be be stronger as a result. I really appreciate what you guys kind. Of, I'm kind of combining something that you both said, but um, you talked about listening and you talked about experiences, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, listening to other people's experiences mm-hmm. and and listening to hear and not listening to argue or listening, you're not listening necessarily even to agree. You're just listening really to understand. I'm trying to understand you as a human being. I want to understand you and and your experiences and and uh, how that those experiences cause you to react to the things around you, right? And, and being able to have conversations uh, to really know one another. 
um, I, I just I think that's a good thing. Well, it's a um, lesson on all of life, right? I mean, yep. Stephen Covey wrote it down and made millions off it, but uh, seek to understand before being understood. Mm. Yeah. Like if we can apply that to our relationships, yes. whether that be cross-culturally, whether that be uh, cross races, whether that be with my wife, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right, my kids, mm-hmm. like life goes a lot better when we seek to understand before being understood. Yeah. And the problem is, is that we always want to be understood yeah. before we try to understand, which Beautiful. just creates us to be louder and louder and louder. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, the more and more angry. Yeah. So I have a really important question for Rodney. Can I yeah. ask it? Uh, of course you can. <laughs> so this will be a little, no. <laughs> this will be a little bit of a shift. But um, Rodney, let's say that you have um, a good friend who's a pastor of a predominantly white church. Mm-hmm. And in three weeks, he's preaching on um, race and uh, in from the scriptures. Uh, what would you tell a predominantly white church in that setting? If I had a good friend, yeah. If you had a good yeah, friend yeah. who was a who was a senior yeah. pastor of a yeah. predominantly let's white call church, him, <laughs> let's call him Matt. <laughs> I got you. I would say don't compromise the gospel, uh, because um, as we mentioned, racism has been an issue from the time of creation. So talk about it, uh, preach the gospel, bring them to Christ. Uh, Christ had to address that issue uh, when he was going through Samaria. He tells mm-hmm. his disciples, I've got to go through Samaria. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, that never happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. You need to stay in the lane that has been carved. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, I've got need. And when he goes there, uh, he makes a difference. And so I would say to you, preach the gospel so that it makes a difference and move people uh, from their their position of comfort mm-hmm. uh, to um, to start to react. Could you give us maybe, uh, so we have uh, another good friend here that was telling me a story, uh, and basically uh, he was reaching out to one of his black neighbors trying to get to know him um, and ended up uh, through that interaction that he was going out of his way specifically to ha- create relationship with that one person uh, that he was told that that was actually a racist thing that he was doing because he wouldn't do that for other people in the community. He had singled that person out in order to have a relationship with them. And uh, whether that's right or wrong, uh, that's that's really not my my question. My question is, what does it practically look like for 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 even me? I you know I grew up in uh, in a white community and uh, I'm a middle class white guy, you know, and and I and I I recognize that, but I I don't. I don't want to be a racist, and I want to do my part in order to help uh, move the gauge in the right direction, right? But what does that look like practically, so that you're not being awkward, or you're you're doing stepping out of uh, into a place that uh, maybe you have good intentions, but you know uh, we all know where good intentions take us sometimes, uh, and so maybe you could give us some practical things that we could be doing uh, in order to. Uh, move past just being aware, and now I want to step into practical action. Well, I think it's going to take, I think we can all agree that it's going to take radical actions to get us to where we need to be. Mm-hmm. So I would say, yeah, be intentional, mm-hmm. but be genuine in your intentionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't just do it so that I can feel good about it, mm-hmm. but I need to do it so that I am intentional and I'm radical mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm doing it from a genuine position mm-hmm. uh, to really make a difference. Um, it, it can be perceived as you just as you described that uh, it's it's an overkill mm-hmm. <laughs> of trying to address the issue mm-hmm. um, but I, I think you have to bring a balance to it mm-hmm. um, yes I want to be intentional 
but I also want this person to know that I'm genuine. I think Matt described it earlier, that I need to be understood before, rather, I mean, I need to understand before becoming understood. Mm -hmm. So uh, all of that plays a role in it. So um, I, I, I reflect on it when you raise that question, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. in his uh, campaigns uh, had a lot of white colleagues that joined the fight. Mm -hmm. um, MMBB <laughs> came alongside of him to help finance, to make sure he was uh, taken care of. Mm -hmm. They brought a check to some of his rallies and said, we're here to help you. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't need to be out front, but we want you to know that that support is there. Mm -hmm. um, his wife benefited as a result of MMBB coming alongside of her. She received a check through uh, through our retirement uh, annuities uh, until her death. Uh, but it's those kinds of support systems. And I'm, I'm not just talking about uh, financial resources, but I'm talking about knowing that you've got people of different hues <laughs> who understand that this is a problem and we've got to address it. Mm -hmm. Do we all have the answer? No, but we, we, in order to get that answer, we've got to have that conversation. And let's talk about how to, is, what's the best approach mm -hmm. to start addressing this. So average person who may be listening to this, would you say what, what is your, what's your initial step to, to make, what, what would be step one uh, in order to start getting involved in, in helping to curve our culture in, in the right direction? I would say, first of all, let's take ownership that is, exists, that is real. Mm -hmm. let's, let's not <laughs> cover it up. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm not fully aware, <laughs> mm -hmm. let's at least take ownership that is real. Mm -hmm. Once I know mm -hmm. and I take ownership of that, I can start to build the blocks mm -hmm. to start making a difference. Uh, but start within me. Let's do a self-check within me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we can all find some instance where we've either had racism levied against us or we we have levied against somebody. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting when we were we just we got our, our first foster kid um, yesterday. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're real excited about it. Um, but we had to go through a lot of training and. Uh, and one of the training things was that we sat down and they asked us all of these questions because uh, typically uh, when it comes to, to fostering, uh, a lot of times it's a minority group that is, is needing it, right? Um, and so it was really interesting, you know, what's the last movie you watched? What race was, the, what was mm -hmm. it that they... that. Uh, was the main character in that movie or what TV shows do you watch or what music do you listen to or, or just kind of going, uh, who do you typically see at the grocery store? You know, and it was really interesting to go through those questions. And, and I, I really think that it is uh, a place of uh, just not being not not that it's not that you did something wrong that you're not aware, um, but uh, it, it's uh, coming to the realization of, oh, there's a world outside of just my world, and, and there are things going on out there that maybe aren't happening in, in my bubble, but that it doesn't mean that it's not real and doesn't exist. Yeah. So I, I often go back to the, uh, the picture of the salad. <laughs> uh, there are so many different ingredients that you can put in the salad. Even mm -hmm. once you mix them together, they're mm -hmm. still identifiable. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to abandon my culture to hang out with you, to be a part of your community. Mm -hmm. uh, I just need to know that we can coexist and share. Yeah. And what I've discovered about the salad is once you start to eat it, 
sometimes you pick up different parts of it mm-hmm. and it has a great flavor mm-hmm. yeah. uh, once it all comes together. Mm-hmm. So not only does the appearance look good, mm-hmm. but uh, the finished product yeah. has an impact. Yeah. yeah. Hey, one last question, because I know you're feeling like you're going to wrap it up. I, I was. I was getting. I was. I was getting there. You were feeling there. me. I can feel. Yeah, we've yeah. been doing this long enough. Yeah. That I, I can feel that. But um, Rodney, could you speak to a little bit of maybe? Um, so what I think that from a lot of uh, you know white middle class America, when they look at the the racial issues that are happening uh, in America, that um, the movement is not just um, racism is the uh, the driver of it. But there seems to be a lot of things that are that are following the racism pretty closely, right? Like, um, uh, you know, socialism slash communism, <laughs> you right. know, uh, in that back the the tearing down of the of the uh, family unit, which was on the Black Lives Matters website before people made right. a big deal, and then all of a sudden it started disappearing. And right. and so, you know, from my perspective, what's been very difficult is to communicate that racism is real, that we need to engage in the reconciliation right um and at the same time what always comes up is the other issues and i guess from um your perspective um have you seen those issues uh uh become problematic for the uh for for black america in that space that they're so tightly tied to some of these other issues and if if there was an ability to to release some of those issues right that we could make more progress? Well, without a question. I think that's got to be a part on all everybody's, uh, there's, there's got to be a part played by everybody. Um, blacks have got to got to relax a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and whites have got to engage more. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how, and we, we've got to come to that middle ground. But yes, all of those issues play uh, play a part. When you talk about the socialization or the socialism uh, aspect of it, uh, when you have been denied uh, equitable access, I mean, not not so much a handout, yeah. but just the opportunity to have access to build my own opportunities mm-hmm. uh, means much, yeah. and so um, that that becomes that becomes a problem. Um, you, I've heard the term that uh, blacks don't want to work; they're lazy. Um, and I really take offense to that. Yeah. The reason we were brought to America, <laughs> even though it was not a just way, mm-hmm. was to do the work right. <laughs> that white America didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, uh, and, and we see as that a in result, the in the Hispanic community, right? Yes. Like mm-hmm. where the Hispanics have the same yes. reputation, and yet you're there doing all the jobs we don't want to want to do. do. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, America is built on the backs of slaves, and yet you want to say that they are a lazy culture. <laughs> but I mean, the yeah. two just doesn't doesn't come together. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of that is why blacks have been denied, whites have been given opportunity, uh, and they have been able to advance more. So we've got to come to some medium. Uh, there has to be some reparations that are in place to address that, to bring blacks up to where they need to be, to give them the start that they need to have, and uh, and white America needs to be willing to help drive. Uh, that kind of reconciliation that needs to happen. Uh, again, um, I, I think I said in the first podcast, no other culture has been introduced to America like the black Americans. Mm-hmm. 
the Indians were already here. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even with the injustice that was done against them, reparations have been made. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the Hispanics are coming uh, because they uh, are looking for new opportunity. Uh, now the issue is let's deny them <laughs> opportunities. Yeah. But the same thing happened to Irish Americans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to Italian Americans. <laughs> they came over in a mm-hmm. different form, but they're here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they didn't come under the task, uh, under the whip of a taskmaster. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So when you when you start to look at and and it seems like it's a black white issue, but I think that becomes the fundamental issue, is that how blacks were introduced to the American culture, and they've never been given the opportunity to be rectified or to brought totally into that into that system. Yeah, yeah, and certainly, uh, I mean steps have been made. I mean, uh, yes. but there's more steps to take. Yes. So. We could wrap up now, or yeah, you yeah, you yeah. Get, okay. I have like a hundred right. more questions. Yeah, but yeah. Rodney and I are friends, so That's we, right. <laughs> we can carry this That's on. That's right. So let me let me raise a question. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Go get ahead. You also, as white uh, men, yeah. How? What's your perspective? Talk to me about your perspective in terms of this whole conversation. Yeah. No, that's really good. I I think that um, for me, uh, part of my upbringing here at Crossroads was with real significance in racial reconciliation. Um, and it's been a big part of, of my heart for a long time. Like my dad was part of the Promise Keeper movement, which right. was had a big racial reconciliation. Right. When I was a kid, um, we had a relationship with Macedonia Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And I remember going down there and being a part of that. And uh, Reverend Brown became good friends with my dad in that space. And, and our families were like together in that space uh, in that. And then when I, uh, ended up in Kentucky for seminary, uh, saw the KKK march for the first time and all of the emotions that like welled up in me in that space. And so I've had a long like history of, from nurture of like racial reconciliation being an important part. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I spoke to it a little bit when I watch the issues happening today, um, there's deep frustration or me as a white person uh, that now is always defaulted as a racist mm. uh, in that space. Wow. And, um, you know, just, uh, and, you know, I look at it and I go, okay, so I'm just experiencing a small part of what the black community right. has, mm-hmm. has done. But but I, I get it, right? I mean, you've probably experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like even the friend that we mutually yeah. have that you just talked about, yeah, like trying like to build a relationship with someone across the aisle yeah. is all of a sudden just termed as racism <laughs> because right. of the, the color of our skin. Right. And so there's there's that frustration in there. There's the frustration that the driving leaders of this movement that's happening are not grounded in scripture. They're not grounded in good theology. And we have this explosion of, of um, mixed uh, messaging um, and I think that a lot of white people don't know who to believe or what to trust in this space because it's not the trusted people mm-hmm. moving it forward, right? It's the politicians. Right. And we right. all, like Congress has a 7% approval rating <laughs> right now, right? And they're the ones that are moving it forward. And it's right. like, why should we trust you in that space? Right. And so I think that that's the... And so then they just start trusting their own experiences. Right. And their own experiences don't encompass everything that's going on everywhere. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that's the, um, you know, for me, trying to lead a church... I have a heart of reconciliation, mm. um, and yet when I try, it's either deemed 
racist because I'm trying too hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or, or um, if I'm silent, I'm not, I'm not doing enough. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. And because I don't subscribe to all of what has been attached to the to the to the black movement, movement currently, right. um, then I have to throw all of it away. Right. And that comes from both sides, the black and the white side right. in that space. It's like, well, if I like, I don't think that I have to agree with all of it. I can right. just look at the world and go, blacks have been treated pretty unfarly throughout the history of the United States. Right. That should be different. As Christians, we should think differently different, about this. Right. Let's, let's not only think, but act differently when it comes to this. Right. And, um, and both sides going, no, you're wrong. It's all or nothing. And it's like, I, I don't think it has to be mm-hmm. that right. way. So I guess exactly. for me, there's a lot of frustration in the current culture of this. And I try to separate it from my own um, uh personal struggles in this space, you know, and, and go, you know, mm. just don't be a whiner, you right. know, keep doing right. the work right. that you know right. you right. need to do. And if somebody says that, um, I have a relationship with, you know, a black man like yourself mm-hmm. is racist, then okay. I, right. Then I'm, you know I'm racist. Then right? I'm racist. <laughs> and when I get to heaven, you know, if God says, man, that was the wrong decision to make, right. <laughs> like then I'll just live with that consequence, I guess. Right. But, but in my heart, I don't believe that that right. is either racism or, wrong and so if people want to tag me in that space then let them tag me i'm going to think i'm going to do what i think i'm being called to do but there is a lot of frustration in that yeah yeah i have a good friend that is a he's a pastor and he's also a mayor of a town in iowa and so uh we we've had some i've been able to have some good conversations with him because i mean i grew up i grew up in thornton and uh i mean it it was a predominantly predominantly uh white community but I've, i've always had black friends, Hispanic friends, you know, I just, I just didn't really think about it, uh, because I didn't have to. Um, and so, uh, I think being able to have some conversations with him, his family's from Georgia and, and, uh, I think it was, you know, it might've be like six months ago that they were changing, uh, some of the voter laws. Uh, was that, it was Georgia, right? On the Senate race. Yeah. 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 Uh, where they weren't allowed to bring water and different Mm -hmm. things along those lines. And, uh, I, I was really, confused by it i'm like uh uh because the the thing that was pushed was that you needed voter identification right Right. and i'm like that makes sense to me like why wouldn't you have to have an like everybody has an id there's this video floating around uh of a guy going around in new york you know asking black people hey do you have identification and they're like yeah of course i do like why wouldn't i um and so it they're spinning it as you know uh everybody has ID, why is it bad to have this law? So I was able to have a conversation with him about, you know, these rural areas in Georgia where people have a hard time getting to places, uh, you know, all all the different variables that I'm unaware of um, that uh, is uh, making it harder for these communities to have a voice. Um, And so that was really good to have that conversation with him uh, just to bring where, and I said, so the problem isn't... uh, should we have a law uh, that says you need an ID in order to vote? The problem is we need to help these people have an ID, have an ID <laughs> right. that don't have one. Right. Like that's the real issue. Uh, and he's like, yes, I totally agree with that. You know, um, and so that that was really good for me to to walk that through because it's you, it's impossible to know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. And so for that's that's the thing that's frustrating to me is that when I say I don't know. Um, you know, they'll say, well, that's just because you're, you're a privileged white person. Right. And I'm like, but I can't help that, right. you know, until you help me understand, understand how am I supposed to see outside of my own walls? Right. Um, and I want to, um, but when it feels like 
no matter what you do, uh, you're wrong. Right. And that they're so for me, it's figuring out what what is the win, um, and, and and how can I do that in an appropriate way where I'm not an idiot or or I'm not ignorant or I'm not just walking in in privilege or right. whatever whatever the excuse might be. You know how do how do I uh, do uh, the right thing by what Jesus would be asking me to do? How do I love uh, other cultures well? How do I love other races well in a way that doesn't put me on a uh, you know Hey, we're we're here to come. I, I know that that's patronizing too, right? Here comes the the white guy to help help the black guy. You exactly. know, like like that doesn't and, help and anything either. And that approach has to be has to be done correctly because it could be offensive. Right. Uh, but I think we've got the best platform, and that said it already. The church. Yes. Yeah. And if we would allow the spirit of Christ mm-hmm. to guide our movement, mm-hmm. uh, even around this issue, uh, we we don't lose. If, if the spirit of Christ is guiding us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to applaud, let me just applaud Matt on his leadership at the regional level because he t- had to deal with this uh, as sitting president and mm-hmm. uh, uh, led the board to bring to the point that we would create a task force, that brought mm-hmm. me on as a staffer to to hort- sort of help build that, that mm-hmm. position and to drive uh, this effort in our region. Uh, let me applaud Steve Van Ostrin, our executive minister, who is uh, totally in. The staff of the, of the region is totally in. Um, it is a so, slow process, uh, but we are committed and engaged to that. As a result, uh, on the website at abcrm.org, uh, there is a, um, there's a tab for race relations. And the whole point of that tab is to create a library of references where mm-hmm. people can go and see some of the experiences uh, that has uh, that have played out in America that mm-hmm. brings this this issue to the mm-hmm. forefront, so that they can yeah. become aware. We're also trying to put legislative initiatives on there so people can understand what the what the thread of the legislation is mm-hmm. around this issue. So it's going to be a very important resource mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to help drive uh, this conversation within our region. That's good. That's that's a really practical thing that people can yes. do is they can go to the website they can check it out and and we'll look forward to to uh what your task force comes up with because I, I i'm almost certain there's going to be opportunities down the road uh for us to be involved and uh you know n- from both sides of uh, real all sides of the spectrum right for us to to move forward in reconciliation so yeah i think one of the the things that I said earlier is that you don't know who to trust in this situation. And that's Mm -hmm. like the frustrating piece. I think that what brings me a lot of hope is that I do trust Rodney Mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful uh, that he stepped into this role and Mm -hmm. that he's leading this charge because he is a man of faith and he's a man committed to Jesus. Yes. Um, You know, he's grounded in good theology and he wants, and he wants to see, you know, racial reconciliation Mm -hmm. happen. And he, you know, He's leading this charge, and you said it's slow, <laughs> and it's slow because we're unwinding 200 years of history, yeah, right? right? Within, he's, within yeah. this, and so right. he's grounded right. in good theology, yes. and he's well versed in bad theology. So, well, thank you, Rodney, so much for coming on, and uh, we'll just continue to have conversations uh, with, with with you. Um, I'm I'm certain that we will down the road, uh, and so thank you so much for the work that you're doing and helping to uh, start with that that first step of just bringing awareness. And so hopefully this this podcast today will help do that as well. And again, go to the, what is the, the web address? abcrm.org. So easy, abcrm.org. So go go check it out. Um, and if you have questions, uh, you know, please, you know, write them in, ask, like, 
there is not a there's not a bad question. That's so right. we want to uh, help uh, answer any questions that you might have. You can you can do that by uh, really emailing Matt. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Good. Uh, Matt Matt Manning at CrossroadsABC.com. Yep. Um, I'm sure Rodney would be happy to, if you want to shoot out your email too. So anyone wanted to email you, it is rperry at abcrm.org. Perfect. So let's continue the conversation. Continue to uh, educate yourself. Become more aware of what's going on around you outside of your own bubbles, uh, no matter where you are. And uh, let's continue to to work together. Uh, through the leadership of Jesus and through yes. the, the leadership of uh, of the church to see uh, this reconciliation moving forward. So thanks, guys, so much for being here. Thank thanks you. for having us.